Well, hey, if you're visiting with us uh, today, we have been going through the book of James together for a number of months now and just been looking at each section and seeing what it has to say to us. So if you have a Bible, grab your Bible, otherwise putter up your iPad or your phone. Um, otherwise, there's Bibles in the chairs underneath the seat in front of you. Grab those things. In a few minutes, we're going to turn to the book of James. So I'll give you a second to find James near the back of your New Testament. Um, and the section that we come to today has a lot to say to us. I mean, James has said a lot of amazing things. A lot of people refer to James as the Proverbs of the New Testament. That is just Proverbs and, and James are just kind of like, a lot of times, comments and commentary on different spiritual topics. And so um, this one has a lot to say to us in a very relevant way because the section we're going to look at today deals with divine healing about God doing what doctors can't do, um, just miraculously healing people who look to him. Now, I can't think of something more relevant than that, can you? We all know sick people. Um, Some of you are dealing with, with health issues, and the scriptures have a lot to say about this. So let's read what James has to say about healing this morning. So James chapter 5, you can see we're verses 13 to 16, we're almost done with the book. And so starting in verse 13, it says this. Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, Pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. We'll stop right there. Now, actually, that idea of healing goes on for the next couple verses, prayer and healing. But next week, we're going to deal with that next section that deals with prayer um, as we look at, at the, the life of Elijah. Um, so, so this text here, the Bible, in, in here and elsewhere, has a lot of examples of healing, Right? If you understand your Bible and you read your your scriptures, you understand that often in scripture, this idea of healing is present. If you read the the gospel, the stories of Jesus, over and over, Jesus is encountering people and he's healing them. He's finding the lame and the blind, even the dead, Lazarus, and he's bringing them to life or bringing them to wholeness. He's healing them. His followers, people like Peter and John, you know, praying for the sick. One day they're walking up and they find a man. They're going to the temple to worship. And they find a lame man sitting at the gate, temple, temple gate called Beautiful, it said. And they say, well, I don't have any money to give you. Silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus, rise and walk. And this man who has been lame his whole life jumps up and his ankles, it says his ankles were bad, are made completely whole. And it says he's walking and leaping and praising God. And people are arguing, saying, well, he wasn't really lame, was he? But he was healed. You know, we have stories in the scriptures. We're actually going to look at one next Sunday. People like the prophet Elijah in the Old Testament who's staying in a widow's house and her son dies. And Elijah says, no, God, this isn't right, and takes him, lays him in his bed, lays on top of him and prays, God, heal this young man. And the man is healed. So throughout the scriptures, there's all these stories of healing. But here in James, it's a little bit different. In James, it's not a story of healing at all, is it? It's more of a teaching. James is saying here, and I think the clearest teaching in all the Bible, um, how the church should approach this idea of healing. And, you know, James here, he's the half-brother of Jesus. Uh, He's seen it all. 
he's writing to Christians about what to do when someone is sick and in need of healing. Now, before we get into this text in, in any depth and draw things out of it, let me ask you a few questions. And now here, I have to say this. Let, make sure you answer me honestly. Not that I think you'll be dishonest, but I want you to answer me honestly in a moment by raising your hand, okay? Be honest. Um, so here's question number one. Have you personally, not a story from somebody else, have you personally, you, you know this person, ever witnessed a divine healing where you know someone was sick, had something going wrong, and people prayed, and that person was healed in such a way that it's completely medically unexplainable. Can anybody you say, I know for sure about a divine healing, and I can say yes. Now, look around. That's pretty amazing. And I'll talk about some of those in a minute. Okay. Um, you know, I've told this story before, um, and I could go on. I could, tell, I could personally tell three stories of divine healing in the 30, 29, 27 years I've been a pastor. But one of them has to do with me, and some of you have heard this story before, where early on in my ministry, you know, my life is, I use my brain and I use my mouth. And that's the kind of two things I use. And uh, I'll use my hands when I talk, because people said if you tied my hands up, I couldn't talk. But early on in my ministry, I tore my vocal cords. Now, that's like a basketball player having an ACL tear or something like that. It can be career-ending. If I have a torn vocal cords, you can't talk. I talk like this when I had torn vocal cords. And the doctors are telling me, you need to find a new profession. And one night after a Wednesday night service, and I'm talking like this. And an old lady, and I've joked with you about this, but it was true, an old lady that I honestly didn't like very much because she was a pain in the neck in the church. She caused problems. She walks up to me after church and she says, Pastor, God told me to pray for you. He wants to heal your throat. I had, I tell you, there was zero faith. I didn't want to be prayed for. My throat was sore. I wanted to go home. And she reached up and she grabbed me by the throat. Seriously, as God is my witness, she grabbed me and I literally like, leave me alone. And she prayed for me. And it felt like somebody took a 55-gallon drum of hot oil and dumped it over my head and it went right over me. And all of a sudden I'm like, I can talk. I can talk. And I was instantaneously, miraculously healed. And so, so some of you, like me, have stories like that, that you say, I know for a fact that a person's been divinely healing. There was no, the doctor said, you can't fix this. Find a new job. And God said, I gave you a voice because I want you to preach the gospel. And so God healed me. Now I got another question, honest answer to this question. Has anyone here ever prayed for healing for a person? Maybe many people prayed for healing, and yet that person wasn't healed and maybe even died of the illness. Raise your hand. Okay. I have prayed for countless people to be healed. That to the day they died, I prayed for them for miraculous divine healing. And I did their funerals, and they weren't healed. Some of us, we've had some cases recently. You know, the gentleman who was helping us in, our, in our, some renovation we did in here, who was helping us with um, some, some technical, like audio and visual stuff, um, his wife was a, a youth pastor at a local church, and he just, a relative of Gary, and, and she just passed away with, what, three children, right? Three little, four little kids at home. She just died of cancer. Um, Thousands and thousands and thousands of people were praying for her, and she passed away. Here's what I know. Healing sick people is a theme that runs throughout the scriptures. 
And experience confirms that God is still in the business of healing sick people. But I also know that even in light of sections of scripture like this that we find in James, I don't understand how healing works. And I'm all right to say that. I don't know why some people are healed while others are not. I don't get it. What I do know is this, that as Christian people in Scripture, we are instructed, like James here, to pray for the sick and to believe for healing. That's what I see, and this is, my, this is the, the book where we get our, our guidelines for living, God's Word, the Bible. And what I see from Scripture is that we are instructed to pray for the sick and to believe for healing. So what can we learn from James and the rest of Scripture about healing. And I think there's four things that are important. And I'll tell you what the four are, and then I'll, I'll explain each of the four. So if you're writing them down, you can write them down, and I'll, I'll get to each one as we spend time on them. And so these are the four things that I think we can see from James and the rest of Scripture that are the most essential things about divine healing. These four. Number one, healing is tied to the nature of God. Number two, and I'll repeat these, healing is tied to prayer. Number three, healing is tied to faith. And number four, healing is tied to the confession of sin. And we're going to walk through these. So number one, healing is tied to the nature of God. Now of the four that we're going to look at this morning, this one isn't explicitly stated by James in the text that we just read. But it is certainly understood, and it is the foundation, I believe, for all the rest. It's why I had to start with this point. And it's this, that healing is tied to the nature of God. That the nature of God is Love. God is love, um, the apostle James tells us. That, that God is love. Not that God loves. God is love. All that we see God do for humanity flows from his nature of love. Now I want you to do something with me. Kind of a little funny, but take a deep breath. And let it out. Think of this for one second. God created you in such a way that you have lungs to breathe. He created our world in such a way that we would have the exact perfect mixture of oxygen in our atmosphere so that we could breathe and it would sustain life. Now humor me for a second, okay? Now plug your nose and take a deep breath. Some of you can't do it. Come on, Josh, you can do it. God loves you so much that he made a way that even if you have a plugged up nose, you can breathe. And I don't know about you, but I have allergies. And some of you have a lot of allergies, and cold and flu season comes once in a while. My wonderful little grandbaby, she's allergic to everything, and her nose is always stuffed up and always running. I'm awful glad that God gave me another way to breathe. You say, well, that's funny. Well, maybe it is, but I look at it this way. God created us. God is love. He even cares about how I could breathe if I'm allergic to dust mites like I am. So now, turn with me in your Bibles. Back to the first chapter of the Gospel of Mark. We're going to look at something about healing today. Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. This whole section, this chapter in, the, in, in this part of the Gospel of Mark is, is talking about healing. I want to see what it says here about the nature of God. Chapter 1 of, of the Gospel of Mark, look at verses 40 to 42 with me this morning. It says, and this is talking about a healing. It says, 
And a leper came to Jesus, beseeching him and falling on his knees before him and saying, if you are willing, you can make me clean. In other words, you can heal me. He's a leper. He can make him clean. He can take away his leprosy. Verse 41, moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Look at that line. In my Bible, and again, you guys think I'm an old, an old fogey when I say this almost every time. This is why I like a paper Bible. In my Bible, you know what's underlined in those verses? Moved with compassion. Moved with compassion is underlined in my Bible. Moved with compassion, Jesus healed. Jesus is the revelation of God to mankind. The reason Jesus came to earth, this is what scripture says, was to be the complete revelation of God. Mankind could not really grasp God because he's, he's nebulous, he's spirit. But God says, for you to be able to understand me and walk with me and worship me and live a life like me, I'm going to come in a way that you understand. I'm going to come as one of you. And Jesus came and not only came as one of us, then he gave his life in our place. But he comes and he reveals the nature of God. And here we find Jesus in a situation where a person needs to be healed. And what does it reveal about the nature of God? That moved with compassion, Jesus healed. The nature of God moved him to heal. It's his heart to heal. He is lovingly compassionate toward people. You see, we have to make sure our narratives about God are straight here. His heart is love. He wants the best for us. Friends, some of our narratives are wrong and it will affect how we approach healing because we think this, we think false things, like we think God is angry at, at us. Or we think God is frustrated with his followers. I want you to do something with me this morning. There's a slide that, that we're going to repeat with me. It's kind of the, the, the baseline for, for our lives, and, and I think it's the most, important, the most important thing. So I'm going to say this with me this morning. Ready? I am one in whom Christ dwells and delights. Now, I want you to do something else, and it's a lot, maybe a little more difficult. I want you to turn to somebody next to you, and I want you to say that exact. and don't do it this way. Don't say, you are one. I want you to repeat this. I want you to repeat to the person next to you. I want you to say about yourself, I am one in whom Christ dwells and delights. Go ahead and do that this morning. That feel good? Now, the other person do it if you didn't do it. Now, here's what I know about that statement and about human nature and the narratives we believe. Some of us are having a hard time saying that. Because you don't believe it's true. You could say this, Mark, I believe God, that God loves you. I, I, I believe that, that you are one in whom Christ dwells and delights. But you can't say, honestly, but I am one in whom Christ dwells and delights. But scripture tells us it's true. It's true. Everything about scripture, about the nature of God, says that that is true, that he delights in us, that he's cheering us on. You know what, friends? I didn't say this that God says you're perfect. None of us is perfect. And yes, we all need to grow and change, and we need to grow and change every single day, but that does not negate the fact that God loves us. He loves you and he delights in you. His nature, who he is, not what he does, who he is, is love and compassion. So when we come to God for healing, 
we understand that we are coming to the one who loves us unconditionally and delights in us. Now, why is that so important to healing? Because it sets the tone for how we approach healing. He says, hey, I understand when I come toward God for healing, I'm coming to somebody who has compassion on me. I don't have to question that. He has loving compassion on me. He delights in me. And so I can come to him saying, he's for me, not against me. So he's for my healing. So that's the first thing that, that we understand, that, that, God, that God's nature speaks to us as healing. Now, let's look at the next one. The second thing we said was this, that healing is tied to prayer. That healing is tied to asking God for healing. In James chapter 5, verses 13 to 18, now we read 13 to 16, but if we read the next two verses also, we'd find something. That seven times James uses the word prayer or pray in relationship to healing in those verses. James is saying, for one to be healed, you need to pray. You need, in other words, you need to ask God for it. The questions we'd ask then is why? Why would God say prayer is tied to healing? And I think this is the reason why. Because prayer reveals submission and dependence upon God. Prayer reveals an understanding that, you know what, God? I can't, but you can. Because here's what God wants us to understand. Because in everything he's done, he's revealing his goodness and his love to us. And he wants us to understand something about who he is, this God that delights in us. That he is the healer. You know who is not the healer? The TV preacher is not the healer. You know who is not the healer? Pastor Mark is not the healer. You know who is not the healer? Some priest or traveling evangelist is not the healer. God is the healer. And what scripture is saying here seven times in a couple of verses is we need to go to him for healing. Now someone might reason that then and say, well, since God knows everything, um, if he wants to heal me, I don't have to ask, he should just do it. That he's the healer, and his nature is to heal. Well, I have a simple answer to that, to that train of thought. And here's a simple answer. That's not what the Bible says to us. You know what? A lot of my life is how I live. What's God's word say? And I want to live according to it. And scripture is really clear. It says, if you want to be healed, seven times James says, pray. 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 Ask God. In fact, in a parable that Jesus taught one day, it's a parable called the parable of the persistent widow. Jesus was telling a thing, and it says in there, Jesus told a parable about this widow who keeps coming to a judge for an answer, for a verdict, and uh, for, for justice. And Jesus said, and I taught you that parable so that you will be persistent in prayer. And what Jesus was teaching in that, in that parable is that if someone has a need, they are to ask God and keep on asking God They are to pray and to pray and to pray. Healing is tied to persistent prayer. Now, there's an acronym that helps us with this here. I think uh, we have a a picture of this. It's PUSH, P-U-S-H. You think in prayer, tied to healing or anything, PUSH. Pray until something happens. That's That's what Scripture teaches really about our approach to prayer, especially tied to healing. Pray until something happens. Now, let me explain something, how this could work. Um, Many of you might not know this. Some of you do, and I I I won't go into a great deal of detail, and I did ask Suzanne permission to share this this morning. But a lot of you might not know that Suzanne has been going through a lot of health issues for quite a while now. 
I mean, pretty serious health issues. Um, she has something called POT syndrome that's a, a, a neurological issue with her heart. So for about seven years now, she's been on two heart medications. One, one she takes twice a day um, to raise her blood pressure and then to reduce when her heart goes into tachycardia because her neurologically, it doesn't tell her heart how to work right. It causes a lot of problems. The other one is she has something called Ehlers-Danlos, which is a neurologically-based issue that is a connective tissue disorder. And Ehlers-Danlos um, is where her, her neuro, neurological system does not tell her, her connective tissue um, how to stop. So, for instance, you know, uh, I can't take my thumb and bend it to my wrist. Some of you can, but you might have Ehlers-Danlos if you can. But Suzanne can just do that, and there's nothing in her body that tells her to stop. And so you say, okay, well, that's kind of cool. That's you know, kind of neat. Well, it's not kind of cool because um, the bones in her neck and her ribs don't stay in place. And so you don't know this, but a lot of times Suzanne's leading worship and she's in chronic pain, a lot of pain, um, because she has for the last five years five dislocated ribs, her clavicle's always out of place, um, and her neck bones always go out of alignment. So she goes to physical therapy quite often, and they put them back in, and it's very painful. They literally have to reach up inside, like up in her armpits and in her neck, and pull her ribs back into place. She always says it feels like knives being jabbed up in there. And sometimes they'll stay in place for one minute. Sometimes they'll stay in place for a day. And then they pop back out of place because her, her neurologically, her body doesn't tell the, the, the connective tissue to hold her bones in place. Neither one is a cure. She also, on top of that, kind of the, the genesis of all of it, is that she has, and she's then like, don't just stop now, because she's like, but I'll say, she's an autoimmune issue. And the autoimmune issue is probably the reason that's the cause of all of this. And, and this is just said, it's just fact, it's just numbers, and it's not come to true yet, but um, with the things she has, there's a 98% chance that she has cancer. And so in one of three areas, her thyroid, her lungs, or her um, breasts. And so she's had multiple, she has, a, she has an adenoma on her parathyroid right now, she has a growth in her lung, and she has a, um, she just had a biopsy on one breast, and she's having one on the other breast coming up. And she has all these, oh, not an MRI, she has MRIs all the time. So she's at the doctor literally two, three times a week, um, at least, and for, for a long period of time now. Suzanne's the least complaining person on the planet. None of you even know that about her, except if you're probably in our connect group or, or kind of a close friends. Um, here's the point I bring, not to, to, to say, oh my goodness, and you're all going to go, this is why she's been like, I don't want everybody walking up to me and saying, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry for you, um, because we're just dealing with it. And, um, and as of right now, the last bi- op, uh, biopsy, we're pretty sure, we were like, we were 100% said it was cancer, it wasn't. And so they're going to be doing another thing on her lungs coming up here, another thing on her breasts coming up here in the next, uh, I don't know, she's got always appointments that they're looking at things. Um, but here's, here's the, the point that I want to make about push. And, and we're really fortunate in that both of us, you know, our lives are to serve Jesus and we love Jesus. So every morning we wake up in bed together. And every morning, and so my snoring isn't driven out of the bedroom yet. Um, so every morning um, we lay in bed together and the first thing we do in the mornings is we pray together. So every morning when we wake up, um, Suzanne's got her head on my chest and we pray every morning. Not tied to this, we, always, we have done this forever, we pray together. And we pray for all the things, we pray for you if there's needs, we pray for the church. Um, we pray for different things. We pray specifically for our family. We pray for our kids every single day. We pray for our granddaughter every day. Um, but one of the things I do every morning is I'm holding Suzanne. I pray for Suzanne. And I pray for divine healing every single day. Um, and believing that the nature of God is to heal. And knowing that he tells me to ask and to keep on asking. Jesus taught the parable of the persistent widow. I didn't make it up. 
Jesus made it. Jesus told it. He didn't make it up. Jesus said it's true. So we push. So we keep on praying until something happens. And so that's one of the things I know about prayer tied to healing, um, that we pray and we keep on praying. Now, when we ask in prayer, I think this is what happens. I think he's why he wants us to be, to be um, consistent. I believe it creates an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to give a gift of healing in response to our asking. So we keep on asking and we keep... I think we're creating the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to give a gift of healing in response to our asking. So I pray every day saying, God, today could be the day. Heal Suzanne. I said to her this morning when I prayed, Susan, I'm praying, Suzanne, I'm praying about healing today. Maybe today's your day. Maybe today's your day. In fact, that's why I believe James says to anoint with oil when you pray. See, a lot of people misunderstand that. And they'll say this, I've got special oil from Israel. And you can buy it from the television guy, and it's only if you, for a gift of $37. Friends, guess what? The special oil from Israel doesn't matter one hoot. It has nothing to do with the oil. It has all to do with God. That's witchcraft, if you want to know what it really is. That is nonsense. That is the opposite of what the Bible would teach. The oil is a, is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. That's why he says anoint with oil. It's a symbol saying, remember where the healing comes from. The oil's not special. God is special. And so the oil reminds us, it's a symbol of the Holy Spirit throughout Scripture. Oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit and a reminder that we are inviting the Holy Spirit into the situation, asking for him to do what we can't do. So healing is tied to prayer. God invites us to ask, to push to pray until something happens. And every day, I will wake up, as long as I'm home, and I will pray for Suzanne to be healed and believe for it. And some of you are going, how can you just keep talking like that? Because here's what I do. We understand God's in control. Amen? Number three, healing is tied to faith. And we'll keep on moving here. Healing is tied to faith. Verse 15 of James that we read, chapter 5, says this. The prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick. Now, this is where the, where the TV preachers chime in. And I know I'm, I'm, I'm using those examples a lot today, but because that's the group that gets this wrong so much and mess a lot of people up. It's where they chime in and they say, just believe and you will receive. Have faith in faith. And they'll preach a great little convincing sermon about it. Let me tell you, friends, it's not that simple. First of all, Scripture reveals that people of all faith levels were healed. Let me explain how faith, what faith has to do here. There's a story. I couldn't take us to all these stories today because we'd be here for two hours. But a lot of you know the stories, and you can look them up. Um, there's a story that Jesus tells of an encounter. It's recorded in, in the Gospel of Matthew, the eighth chapter, of Jesus interacting with a centurion, who's a, a Roman soldier, um, and he is a sick servant. And in that story... It says that the centurion comes to Jesus and he asks for Jesus to heal his servant. And the story tells, the reason it's told is because Jesus is amazed by the centurion's faith. Matter of fact, Jesus says, I'll go with you. And he goes, you don't have to come with me. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus says, okay. He says the word and they find out that he was healed. And Jesus looks at him and goes, oh my goodness, I haven't seen this kind of amazing, audacious faith in anyone in Israel. 
And he says, and the guy was healed. I said, amazing. But scripture also tells stories that are just the opposite. We're going to read one in a second. Jesus, Jesus tells a story about a, a boy who's sick. It says he's demon-possessed. And his father comes to Jesus and says, heal my son. And you know what he reveals about himself? A total lack of faith. In Mark chapter 9, you can turn there if you want. I want to read verses 20 to 29. In Mark chapter 9, Jesus here is, is revealing something about healing. And I'm so glad the scriptures are honest. The scriptures are so unique in that they, they show people who have even in their weakness, like me, and like you can be, and give us hope. Mark chapter 9, verses 20 to 29. It says, So they brought the boy, but when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion. And he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked, how long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire or water trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean, if I can? Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. Verse 24, the father instantly cried out, I do believe but help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak. And he said, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. And then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and it left him. And the boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet and he stood up. And afterwards, when Jesus was alone in the house with the disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? And Jesus said, this kind can be cast out only by prayer. Now look at what it said in verse 24. It's my favorite part of the whole story. I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Help my unbelief. In other words, he's saying, I have very little faith this is going to happen. So we see this in Scripture, that people are healed who had great faith and people who are healed who had little faith. And I think this is the key here. The key is this. The key is where we place our faith. It's the object of our faith. Scripture talks about faith being like a grain of mustard seed. You know why it chooses this illustration of a grain of mustard seed? Because is a grain of mustard seed very large or very small? tiny. The reason he chooses mustard seed is because it's so tiny. He's trying to say, even little tiny bitty faith. And we turn it around and mean it means great faith. No, he says, even tiny little bitty faith. That's why he chooses the mustard seed. The key is where we place our faith. That our faith is placed um, in Jesus as our healer. That we choose to turn to Jesus and trust in him and ask him. You know, they prayed the way Jesus, that, that, that they and we need to pray the way Jesus taught us to pray. When the disciples said, how do we pray? Jesus gave them some pretty clear instructions. He said, pray this way. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's turning to God. Knowing that, friends, that in heaven, everything is whole and healed. So we're asking Jesus to bring the realities of heaven to our here and are now. Friends, that's what a miracle is. A miracle is God bringing the realities of heaven, that wholeness of heaven, 
into our reality in the here and the now. So in faith we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done as on earth right now as it is in heaven. Knowing that it's his will to always be loving and always be help us do what's best. So healing is tied to faith in Jesus. Saying, Jesus, I can trust you. And I honestly can tell you, that's the way we approach Suzanne's situation. We honest, we've seen healing over and over. And we're pushing. People misunderstand this. I actually had a missionary tell me this when I was a missionary in Cambodia. Mark, sometimes you've got to push God. And I said, you, my friend, don't understand the Bible in the slightest bit. I don't push God. I want God to push me. Push means we come to the God we can trust. And we love. And who loves us. And we ask again. And we ask again based on faith that he is this loving, compassionate God and he obviously hears and he's doing what's best and sometimes I don't understand it, but I trust him. So that's the way we face it. We pray every day. It's not like we shed tears every day. It's saying, God, we completely trust you. And so we come again based on faith on you. That makes sense? Let's look at the fourth point. Healing is tied to the confession of sin. James verse 16, chapter 5 verse 16 says this. One part that we might not like so much. It says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. James makes a connection here between sin and sickness. Now let's be careful here. Clearly, Jesus taught that not all Sickness is the result of sin. Jesus clearly taught that. Once, Jesus was encountered by a blind man, and the people wanted him to pray, and Jesus, Jesus prays for the blind man, and the blind man is healed, and a bystander asked Jesus a question. They said, who sinned that that man was born blind? Do you remember his answer? He said, nobody sinned that that man was born blind. He said, matter of fact, he was born blind in order to reveal the glory of God. Because on that day, he, that man met God and Je- in, as Jesus, and Jesus he prayed for him, and he was healed. So clearly, Jesus taught that not all sin, not all sickness is a result of sin, and a lot of people have made that mistake. However, sickness can be tied to sin. And I think there's primarily two different ways, and I want to explain them to you this morning. This is the first way. I believe that God uses sickness. He can. God can use sickness to get our attention. Ruth Haley Barton talks about it this way. She uses the word disease different. She calls disease dis-ease, which is really what the word means, dis-ease. And she says that God will use your dis-ease, in other words, something will come up in your life to cause dis-ease, things like sickness, to grab your attention to get you to change your course of life or repent of something. Repentance means change the way you're going, saying, I'm going to stop doing this. I'm going to get, I'm going to, I'm going to get better. I'm going to stop sinning in this area, or I'm going to change my direction in my life. I've told this story often, or a few times rather, of a situation in another church that I pastored in a different state where a lady was very sick. She was on her deathbed, and um, she called. She was in the hospital. She had a, some kind of rare blood disorder, and um, called me to come pray for her in the hospital. 
The doctor said, we have no idea how this happened. We can't explain it. We can't treat it. She's going to die. She's a young lady. Young mom, three kids. She asked me to pray for her. I'm driving to the hospital. And the Spirit of the Lord speaks to me. And he says, do not pray for her. She is sick because she's in rebellion. Now, first of all, understand, when I say the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me, it's not like God showed up in the seat next to me and said, hey, Mark, by the way, it's that thought, that impression that came into my mind that I was pretty sure was from God. But it wasn't like it's written on, written on stone. And I'm going, is that really God? I think that was God. I think that was the Holy Spirit talking to me. I'm not 100% sure, but I think it is. I, in word of that, I think it is. So I walk in the hospital room. Her name was Barb, and I said, I can't pray for you. God told me you're sick because you're in rebellion, and if I'm offending you right now, I'm sorry, but I believe God spoke to me. And she starts crying. And she said, you're right. I'm living in rebellion. And she tells me what's going on in her life, that she's living in rebellion. And the next day, she was better and she walked out of the hospital. The doctors couldn't explain it. Because she repented and she changed direction in her life. And she really did. There was a very big thing in her life that she vowed that day to turn the other direction. And she did. And she walked in a new direction. And she, God was using disease as a way to get her attention um, to say, you're going in the wrong direction in life. So sickness can be God's way of getting our attention. We need to do something. We need to ask God in our sickness if there's some sin at the root. And if he could speak to me about another lady in my church, he can speak to you about what's going on in your life and suddenly you know something's going on. He can speak that to you if it's the issue. But there's another way that sickness can be tied to sin, and I think this is a very real way. And I'm not, it's not a cop-out trying to say this isn't spiritual. It absolutely is. And I believe it's, 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 it's a huge issue in our lives. That's, that that it, it can be tied this way psychologically. It can be tied to our sickness. See, unconfessed sin is powerful. Hidden sin is powerful. David talked about that in, his, in the Psalms. He said, when I hid my sin, my body wasted away. Sin is powerful. It can eat you up. It can make you sick. When you're engaged in sin and you hide it, it gnaws at you. The stress that can result from that can lead to all kinds of very real sickness. Ulcers, high blood pressure, heart problems, digestive problems, anxiety, depression, they can all at times be tied back to the fact that there's unconfessed sin in our lives. Former, um, uh, I'll say Attorney General, no, uh, lead doctor of America, Surgeon General, C. Everett Coop. He said, as a Surgeon General of America, when he was Surgeon General, he believed that 85% of all health issues in America were tied to stress-driven issues. Hidden sin is one of the main components that brings stress into our lives. So James says something as a gift to us. He says, listen, confess your sin to a Christian friend. He says there is freedom and healing in confession. When you confess a hidden sin, you expose it to the light. That's what I tell people. Expose that darkness to the light. And what happens is when you confess that, it loses its grip in your life. Confession is powerful for healing. Now, be careful when you confess. Make sure that the person you can confess to is a trustworthy person and not going to repeat it. 
but confess and then repent. Turn in a new direction because it's very healing in our lives. That makes sense? So let's wrap this thing up. Here's a summation of the whole thing. If we're writing a thesis statement about the, the message that James teaches. So with faith in Jesus, our loving Lord, we call out to him for healing. We push. We pray until something happens. And we confess any known sin. And we trust that he, our loving God, will do what is best in our lives or the people that we're praying for. Friends, healing is a vital part of the gospel message. Jesus preached healing, and so should we. And friends, maybe you're here today, and you need a healing. We would love to pray for you. The prayer of faith anoints you with oil, and believe for God to do what only God can do. And we'll have an opportunity for that in a few minutes. And maybe you are here, and you need the ultimate touch from God, which is more important than a physical healing. You need to come to Him as your Savior and Lord, because you've never done that. I'm not saying you don't go to church. But going to church doesn't make you a Christian anymore than going into a barn makes you a cow. Coming to Jesus and giving your light to Jesus makes you a Christian. And that's the, that's the message of the scriptures. People who are far away, the Bible says, God has given the church the ministry of reconciliation, of bringing people who are once far to get from God and bringing them into a relationship with Jesus. It's not about a church. It's about Jesus. And maybe you're here today and you say, spiritually, I've never had Christ as my Savior and Lord. You can ask him into your life today. And you know what? When we close in prayer today, you could, if you want, come up here and we'll talk to you about that and pray with you if you want to ask Christ into your life. You've not done that. So would you stand with me this morning? We're going to close in prayer. I know we're running a little bit late today, but it was all right. It was for good reasons. Amen? Pray with me. Jesus, thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for knowing that we live in this world corrupted by sin. We live in this world that has all kinds of negative effects in it because of sin and, and sickness comes as a result of that. That The world is not what it was meant to be. It's not what you intended it to be. We, you intended this place to be a place of, of, of just wholeness and health, but then mankind chose to walk away from that. And so, Lord, we live in these realities now. But here you have in James spoken to us and told us that you still heal. And so, Lord, we choose to believe your word. And we ask now, Lord, for, for your grace and your goodness, your love and your power to touch our lives, to, Lord, to heal us of our brokenness, physically and spiritually. And, Lord God, we know this, that it's all about you. So, Lord, we love you. We thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name.